You're listening to the Era and Hyde show where Hyde and myself, Era being me, of course, sit down every single week and talk about the world of content creation, creative entrepreneurship, and everything in between. It's been two weeks since we sat down. This week, what we're going to be talking about is skills that you didn't need to know as a content creator. But before we get into that, we always like to ask Hyde how he's doing because Hyde has a interesting life. What's up, Hyde? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, tomorrow is my birthday and I procrastinated renewing my license because I need to do that this year. And I did that just before the stream. So that's nice. I was very upset when I learned that I had to use uh, my, my credit card instead of a debit card to pay for the fee. But yeah, otherwise, pretty good. Might be going to a haunted house Saturday. Um, that's about it. I need a haircut. Wait, why did you have to use your credit card instead of a debit card? I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a, a state thing, but like I went to like DDS.gov Georgia or whatever and um, applied for a license renewal. And when I went to go pay for the fee or whatever, it asked for a credit card specifically. I tried using a debit, but it didn't work. <clears throat> Not a big deal, but I don't like using my credit card. Yeah, I don't either. Trust, take it from me. <laughs> don't fall into the habit of enjoying to use your credit card. <laughs> yeah, just in general, I don't like owing someone, let alone some big company, money. Yeah, it's uh, not I'd a fun experience. For, I'd rather pay for things out of pocket. Yeah, you know, I so I went through... I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because when I was your age slash younger from like, I'd say 17 till about your age, I went through a period of my life that was spend, 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 and that I would pay it off later and that I would worry about it later. And as much as like I'm a very non-materialistic person, I don't view materials as something that I get enjoyment out of just having things, but it's the value that those things can provide to me that I care about. And nine mm -hmm. times out of 10, when I just impulsively go out and rack up credit card debt, it has never been on things that bring me value. Granted, some of those things have brought me a lot of value. For instance, like Usually my camera. Purchases. Yeah, like my camera or computer gear or microphone gear or anything like that, that kind of stuff that I've bought in the past and especially in that period of time, I don't regret because that stuff has brought value to my life, whether it's been monetarily or just for the sake of exploring a creative outlet and a potential passion. And some of those things that I went into debt for became passions like video and photography, especially. Uh, I, mean, but I really even got credit cards just, just so I could build credit. That way I can, you know, afford, you know, massive PC upgrades. And I've just been slowly building it just, by purchasing gas and food and paying it off as soon as possible. But I, I don't like to use it at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I've i gotten to the point where I'm paying off my debt pretty steadily and I'll be out of debt by this time next year completely. And I'm grateful that I've gone through this experience because it gives me a new outlook and a different perception, I guess, of how I've treated money in the past versus how I want to treat money going forward. And I would say probably about a year ago is when my mind really shifted to not caring so much about the material aspect of things, but more about the value aspect of things. So every time I've been getting money, I'm just like, I mean, I have anything I could need. I'm just throwing it at my debt right now, trying to get oh, out of it. Also, you want to hear a funny story? Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. So I tried to get a, a credit card first when I was 19. And... uh no nowhere would accept me 
they would say just like not enough credit history or bad credit history or whatever. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I've never had a card. How am I supposed to get history or how do I have bad history? And then I found out that I had an unpaid library fine that somehow got marked on my credit. <laughs> so I wasn't able to get a fucking credit card until I went to this fucking library and paid the fine. How much is the fine? Four dollars? It was like six. It was like six dollars. Like it was nothing. <laughs> I was so fucking mad. Six dollars. Yeah. Imagine if you like just never cared about a credit card or a car payment. And in like two years from now, you decide, oh, I'm going to go buy a house. They say, nah, dude, you, you ain't got credit. You got a library fine. You oh got, my God. You got that $6. Um, we're going to need you to go take care of that real quick before we can give you mm -hmm. this house. What do you mean? If you can't pay $6, bro, how do I know you're going to pay your mortgage? Like, <laughs> I know, right? Like, Jesus. <laughs> I was so butthurt. Wait, how do you get yeah. a library fine? Did you just not bring a book back? I just turned in a book late or something. All three of those books that are sitting on his nightstand that you can see in frame, <laughs> all of those are from the library, just so Sherlock you know. Sherlock Holmes, Hyde, Moriarty, and Psycho. No. Um, <clears throat> he paid $1.50 for each, adding up to $6. I think it was actually uh, one of the Dexter books. You know, Dexter the Serial yeah, Oh, dude, yeah. That was actually was the first show books. I ever binge-watched when I got Netflix. Yeah, Dexter's a good show. Because I probably <laughs> didn't... I was late to the game. I didn't get Netflix till I was like 20. Mm -hmm. I'm 26 and Netflix streaming has definitely been a thing for like almost 10 years at Dude, this point. I, I love, I love Netflix, Hulu, Disney plus Amazon prime, all of that. Like I have all of them and it's cheaper paying for all of them than it is getting TV. Yeah, absolutely. It's like mm -hmm. cable is dead, but mm -hmm. what's funny is that other than it, when I show up to your movie nights and while I was doing movie nights in my server for my subscribers, which I'm not doing anymore, I'm changing to something don't that you, is... Don't you do anime nights? Yeah, but we're changing it because I want to do something that's more inclusive for people because I feel like that's super niche. Not everyone's going to be into that. And right. it also forces me to take an entire Tuesday evening that I could use for something else to do that. Whereas I'm thinking more of, I did more kind of lifestyle content once a week and only made it for subscribers and like uploaded it to Vimeo as private or some shit and gave them the link. Like that, yeah. I that mean, would be if... better served of my time. And I honestly am not the type of person anymore where I can't sit down and watch TV. Like I just can't right. do it. I'm way too fidgety. I have to either sit down and read, um, watch youtube because youtube i don't i don't even go down the rabbit holes of that i just scroll through my subscriptions if someone's posted mm -hmm. a new video i'll watch it if no one's posted anything i just don't watch youtube that day um i i've just gotten into like especially since i've been waking up at like 6 a.m it's been a complete shift in my mentality to how can i be as productive and as efficient as possible compared to how i used to be where I wanted to do what I had to do, and then I wanted relaxed time. Why, why weren't you feeling that you were being productive in anime nights? Were just not enough people showing up to it? Yeah, it was a combination of inconsistent turnouts for it, and also the majority of my subscribers telling me they just weren't really into that because they're not necessarily into anime, which is understandable. Not everyone's going to be into it. And in my experience, because I've I've watched a few different genres during my movie nights. The highest turnout for me is always comedy movies. Mm, like uh, we've watched a bunch of the scary movies, like Scary Movie One, Two, Three, Four, and um, <clears throat> last night we watched uh, What We Do in the Shadows. It's like a spoof of vampires. 
uh we've watched borat like movies like that just like raunchy comedy movies usually get the highest turnout yeah because those are what get the highest turnout at the box office as well because they're they're usually the most anticipated plus like borat that's just a masterpiece of a movie oh did you hear they're making a second one on amazon prime yeah yeah i did that's like one time i'll sit down and watch like i'll sit down and watch movies but i've I've also blessed I've, i've been blessed with the curse of because i've been doing like video stuff off and on for the past like 10 years of my life now when i watch movies it's hard for me to just sit there and enjoy it i like pay more attention to how something is edited and how it's put together more than i am what's going on in the movie you know what i mean yeah because it's as you as you get into editing and, and learn about that stuff and all the design and craftsmanship that goes into it you you notice the those little things and you can respect them more and admire them more yeah like some of my favorite youtubers granted they make amazing content and there's a lot of value just in the content they make um like casey neistat casey neistat makes content that is both educational but it's mainly for entertainment value i don't watch neistat videos because i want to watch what's going on in casey neistat's life i watch those because casey neistat is an award-winning hbo movie maker making youtube videos and i like Mm -hmm. to observe his editing style and try to get in his head a little bit by watching and i feel like a lot of youtubers did that like he he literally changed how people vlog he changed the youtube platform mm-hmm. and inspired some of the biggest people on the platform like david dobrik logan paul um peter mckinnon maddie hapoya hapoha posting like once a month <laughs> well before he was doing literally every single day for like eight months he did that mm-hmm. And then he no longer had to because he had gotten people into such a habit of consuming his content that now all of his fans basically fiend for more from him. Mm-hmm. So now that he's posting basically every day again right now, because he's been on a streak for like two or three weeks. Oh, dude, he's blowing up once again. He sits at like mm-hmm. 15 million subscribers, mm-hmm. which is insane. Considering like 90% of, I would say 90% of his subscriber base aren't filmmakers, aren't video makers, they aren't photographers, they aren't anything like that. They're just, they've got that emotional connection with him and he has figured out how to tap into people's minds and emotions so well to make them care about him. And he's just such a genuine guy as well. So that's what I think. He doesn't have that sort of douchey like YouTuber bro kind of vibe. YouTube, how the fudge you doing <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's he's not What's in your thing? face yeah he's very low-key yeah he's got like mkbhd like <laughs> hey what's up guys mkbhd here like just super low-key mm-hmm. or peter mckinnon who's like over the top and energetic but peter mckinnon makes movies about how to make movies <laughs> it's like super meta like everything he does is mm-hmm. so meta and i think that the one thing that you notice i wonder, I wonder if he's gonna do uh making movies about how to make movies about how to make movies well i mean he made a youtube video one day that was like how i make a two minute tuesday and the entire video was instead of a normal two minute tuesday tip the entire tip was how he was making the video that we were watching as he went through the process and he was like okay so now i'm going to set up the moby pro so we can use the moby pro for shooting b-roll but why i'm while i'm balancing the 
Moby Pro, I shot a time lapse of me balancing the Moby Pro for you to watch right now while I'm talking about balancing the Moby Pro. And he plays the time lapse while he says that, and it's like, that's so genius. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dude, like, and what separates a lot of those creators from what I think now is, you know, I would love the opportunity to one day be a big YouTuber, be a big streamer, but it's not my ultimate goal to be like a dominant on the platform. I want my own little circle. That's what I would be happy mm -hmm. with, you know? I think it's important to aim lower so you're not disappointed. Aiming high is good, but it's important to like aim lower along yeah, the way. Yeah. Take, take baby steps. Like, it, yeah, it's good to have, you know, those high reaching goals, but also be realistic and don't beat yourself up when you don't reach those goals as fast as you'd like to. Right. It's more about the creative Gradual, passion of it. Consistent success as opposed to, you know, being ninja. Yeah, I don't think that there's anything wrong with going into content creation with your ultimate goal to eventually be quit your day job and create content full time. Mm -hmm. However, I don't think people who start solely with that idea in mind are setting themselves up for anything besides disappointment because the process for mm -hmm. that is so incredibly draining yeah, and long. And there's a chance that you could do everything right and still fail. Yeah, you need to go into it with a really open mind and unfortunately, like low expectations. Like in the beginning, like as a YouTuber, as a Twitch streamer, we were talking about this in my chat the other day. You can't go into it with a business mindset initially. You have to go into it with, I'm just going to have fun. I'm just going to make content that I enjoy and play games that I like and talk about things that I like and do things that I like. Um, and hopefully you pick up some people along the way that are that are into that. Um and then once you start feeling it out, you start learning about the industry and seeing what you need to learn and grow in, then you can start worrying about, you know, making it a business and trying to set those goals. Right. In the beginning, I mean, in the beginning, it really needs to be just about like having fun and sort of getting to know everything. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there is, you know, obviously I come from being a creative entrepreneur and running my own businesses and coming up with ideas and turning those ideas into profitable ventures for me. Like that's what I've done for my entire adult life. I haven't had a boss since I was 2021, 20, but mm -hmm. when I started streaming, it wasn't just because I thought, Oh, I could be a big streamer. Like, of course that thoughts in my mind. I don't think in this day and age that it's possible to start making YouTube videos or start streaming without having that idea in mind that you could get big and quit your job because you make enough money off of that to not have to go to work anymore, you know? Right. But just, I think there, there's something be to be said for it. when it doesn't happen in a couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's like a level of you have to be creating for the sake of creating at a certain point. Like, mm -hmm. I wanted something fun that I could do because my life had become very automated and monotonous and I felt kind of... I didn't feel like I was being pushed and challenged. And because of that, I was getting like really depressed. So when I found streaming, uh, I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like when people show up, it gives me someone to talk to. So I'm making friends. I get to play video games and I'm already like the way that I stream and like get mad and yell and shit is the way I game normally. Anyway, I'm not very low key and I'm very mm -hmm. energetic about it. So it just gives me an outlet for developing some skills that I didn't know that I needed or developing skills that I already had, but hadn't practiced or hadn't put into like any kind of practice and any kind of like directed path for what I want to do. You know, right. I definitely think that it is okay to start making content with the idea to quit your job one day. 
but I think that the general like a basis for who succeeds and who doesn't most of the time is when you look at people who do succeed is yes they know what they're doing and they learn how to make it a business over time but most of them who start have no idea what they're doing on that front and they're just doing it because they're creatives and they need that creative outlet and they find that as a good medium for them also like i just feel like those people that get into youtube or twitch with the the priority being i want to make money and be full time they don't actually care about the art. They're just like, oh, I want to make a living playing video games. I feel like it's so easy to tell that they only care about that. They only oh, yeah. care about the numbers and the money. And a lot of times they don't even they they don't even grow because it's so transparent, right? Because they're not doing it for fun or for the passion of the art and the craftsmanship. They're doing it because I want to make money playing video games. Yeah, it's kind of like the way that I structure my content is that I try to be educational with my content. I look at things I have learned as a self-employed person for like the last six years and try to apply all of those lessons that I can to making content and then teach other people about that because by teaching I'm learning as well. Yeah. Um, and, and a big thing too is like one of the biggest tips I can, I can give or one that, you know, I read many, many months ago and took to heart was that like, no one owes you anything. You don't deserve anyone's views. You don't deserve anyone's sub or like or comments on your YouTube videos. Um, if you have this mentality of I'm just going to click go live or upload a video and just wait for success to come, it's never going to happen. No, you have to chase it. <laughs> yeah. And you can't just you... chase it blindly. You have to figure out a strategy that yields results and works for you that you can be consistent and efficient and productive with. And that isn't mm -hmm. going to like burn you out. Mm -hmm. But you know, like, like one, one streamer I really appreciate. Um, I don't watch him a lot, but uh, legend daily. Um, he blew up because he was one of the first Twitch streamers to like really hone in on like TikTok and make a shit ton of content on TikTok. And like he blew up because of that. So another thing too, like as a Twitch streamer is you have to be, or you content creator in general, you have to be like creative. Like you can't just like, yeah, go watch the YouTube tip videos. But if you're doing what everyone else is doing, why do you think you're going to see more success? Like right. you have to really find something that's unique to you or some sort of strategy that other people are not doing. There's a quote from um, Picasso that I really like. And think about this when I say it. Good Picasso artists borrow. Great artists steal. It sounds great like a very artists. basic, like, kind of scummy quote in the... Yo, that sounds like a copyright law. I'm not, I'm not trusting it. <laughs> um, what, uh, what it means is that, you know, there are no original ideas anymore. It's, it, it, like... As a creator, you're an artist. Like, whether you're a photographer, a videographer, a streamer, whatever, you are an artist because your craft is your art. And right. you, uh, as a content creator, or as an artist, you can't have original ideas. Someone has done what you are doing already. The only mm -hmm. thing different about you is that it's you doing it and not somebody else. And because of that, you're going to put your own spin on it. For instance, one way that I, like, I started writing a script for a video because I was watching a Ali Abdal video and uh, where he was interviewing Sarah Dietschy. 
And one line that Sarah, that Sarah Dietschy said inspired basically an entire script for me because it summed up, like that one sentence that she said summed up so many different things for me that was like, got my brain moving and immediately I could sit down and just started writing and it was a very fluid process. It wasn't like that idea wasn't mine, but that idea wasn't inspired just out of my head. In most places that we find inspiration as artists or as streamers or as content creators or photographers or whatever, most of those ideas are not inspired from our brains. Most of those ideas are inspired from music we listen to or other creators that we watch or other mm -hmm. streamers that we've watched or something we read or something we see or something we hear. Like, there's no original right. ideas. However, to go back and tie this into what Hyde said, you can't just completely one-for-one one emulate what somebody else does. It is perfectly acceptable to be inspired by somebody and to take ideas that they've used and make them your own and use them there. That's perfectly mm -hmm. acceptable because people do it every day. Some of the biggest YouTubers on the platform do that every single day. Literally every big mm -hmm. vlog channel pretty much copied Casey Neistat and were inspired mm -hmm. by him to start doing it. But right. the people that didn't make it are the ones that tried to verbatim copy him. The ones right. that did make it are the ones that saw what he did, wanted to do the same thing. And put their own twist on it. Yeah, and then just like went with it, but realized that they're not Casey Neistat and that they can, it's okay mm -hmm. to put your own spin on things. Right. Because another thing too with, uh, I'd say, content creation is... You need to have some form of like consistency. So if you're just constantly hopping around and like trying different forms of content, putting on different faces and personalities and doing all this different stuff, um, it's going to be hard to keep that community glued together. So yes, you need to, you know, experiment and try new things, but it needs to be smooth and it needs to be consistent. If, if you're just bouncing all over the place, you know, that just shows that you don't have confidence in what you're doing. Yeah. I think that if you were to make it a, like, if you were to draw that out, it would be like a bubble in the center that is your niche and your thing and your area of expertise with ideas spreading out from that. It's okay to be kind of all over the place with what you're talking about, video to video or stream to stream, but be talking about these things in a way where you know how to relate it back to what you're supposed to be the expert on. Mm -hmm. Like, I can talk a lot about photography and videography mostly photography for me not so much like how to be a good videographer in my case but i can talk about how to be a good photographer a lot on my youtube channel because i practiced that for so long mm -hmm. but i have to be able to tie that back to how to use that to grow other online businesses whether it be a brand or your twitch stream or your YouTube channel. Like, you have to figure... Like, that is what I would have to do if I was going to talk about that regularly is figure out how to tie it back. I'm going to make videos about that in the future, but it's more going to be like, hey, if you want to grow, you have to make other content, but that doesn't mean you just have to make YouTube videos. Right. Here is other content you can make if this is another passion you already have. So, back to the primary topic, though. Skills you didn't know you need as a Twitch streamer. And I guess oh, I, we were about to... I thought we were going to keep flowing with this and it was going to naturally start going in that direction. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, let's keep flowing. Well, I mean, well, you already said it now, so, like, now mm -hmm. now I just want to jump straight into it. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was figuring we could kind of summarize um, various different skills 
um, that you didn't need, you know, and then we could break those down uh, deeper. <clears throat> oh, well, yeah. I mean, so one, obviously one that we talk about a lot is, well, let's start off with the base. So you have your, your brand new Twitch streamer, um, just get into it. Doesn't really know a lot about it. They usually think, you know, what they do is they get a camera, they get a mic, maybe get a cheap pre-made overlay. Uh, and then they click go, go live and play whatever game they feel like playing. And they just wait for people to show up. And some people are, are naturally gifted at streaming. They're very good at interacting with chat. They're, they're people, people, um, they are very entertaining and funny or what have you, or just interesting in some way, but just the average Joe, um, that's not going to work. Uh, there's a lot of things you end up <clears throat> having to learn. One that we talk about a lot is, uh, YouTube, um, you get into Twitch streaming and you find out that growing on Twitch is incredibly difficult, especially if you're playing these huge games. Um, it's pretty yeah, much can... impossible to grow by just being live. Yeah. And yeah, you can play smaller games, so it's easier for people to find you, but then obviously the growth is going to be slow anyways. And not only that, you... then you run the risk of as you switch game to game, you lose people lose because people. you're not playing what they want to watch you play. Hyde and I have both mm -hmm. gone through that with Rainbow Six Siege. Like, neither mm -hmm. of us play that game hardly at all, and a, major a large portion of both our communities no longer watch us because we don't play Siege anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Overall, though, I'm glad I did get away from Siege, like, as a side note, because now I'm much more of, like, a true variety streamer. Like, I don't really have any sort of main games, um, and I've had more consistent viewership throughout that. Um so even though it, it sucked initially to see that drop off from uh, Siege, in general, I think it's better to be a variety streamer or sort of a variety content creator because if you're putting all of your eggs in one basket, well, eventually that basket's going to fall apart. Um, the way that the I would say it is that, especially in the beginning as a smaller person, it's a dangerous idea to box yourself into one corner and only be able to attract people to you based on one single thing that you do it is better to spread out and try a bunch of different things and see what works best for you and as you grow you will slowly start to just kind of fall into where you belong mm. you know like shroud started with cs and then he started playing PUBG, and then it was apex and he kind of just like bounced around until he fell into what his niche actually is which became just killing people and yeah just, just he just like he's played wow and he's played other games and rpgs and other stuff and now shroud is very much a tarkov streamer a valorant streamer and a variety first person shooter streamer and he is the guy mm -hmm. that people go to for first person shooters same with like summit 1g but there are other creators like co carnage who literally has never found where he falls in because literally his thing is he doesn't play the same thing twice most of the time right <laughs> Every stream, every couple streams, he switches games. Mm -hmm. And because he does three different streams a day most of the time, um, he plays a different game each stream throughout right. the day. So his stuff is never stale and he's very accessible, but that can be dangerous too because if you appeal to, if you try to appeal to absolutely everyone out there, you will end up appealing to nobody. Because well, it, it puts more pressure on you as a person to be entertaining and interesting. Because then if, if you're focusing on just one game, that game 
is the attraction, right? But if you're a variety streamer, you are the attraction. And the game is just a temporary uh, entry point to get people in there. And they get in there if you're playing, I don't know, Minecraft or Fallout. And then they end up really liking the streamer or the YouTuber. And they return for the streamer or the YouTuber. That's that's what you're trying to go for as a variety streamer. And that's that can be more challenging in some aspects because that puts more pressure on you to like perform like as an entertainer as opposed to just being really good at siege or call of duty and people following you just because you pulled off a crazy flick or whatever yeah i mean <clears throat> he i just summed it up I, there's not really much i can add to that like <laughs> <laughs> but i mean as far as like the actual skills so we've covered like the basics of what to expect i guess going into streaming and that's something that we'll probably cover again and again from different perspectives and different avenues as we both grow and develop as content creators and as oh i forgot uh networking and people skills i i naturally was not a people person before i started streaming no you were not, not that i was yeah <laughs> not that i was like a like a recluse or anything but you know i was a homebody i just i just stayed home i have my small circle of friends and i i played video games um and that's kind of why i got into streaming was because you know i was like i'm playing so much damn video games and staying in the house why not try to you know do something productive with it so i don't have to feel as bad for sitting on my ass playing video games all day um but since i've been into that uh i had to develop myself you know as a person you know my social skills be able to you know interact with people and attract them and then hold conversations and get to know people and uh, also be more be more sensitive of a person you know be more aware of how people feel and think um so that's another thing that you didn't know you need as a twitch streamer is you kind of have to learn how to get along with people and learn people yeah like even in like the year that i've known hyde he was already streaming for like eight months before he and i met but in the year that i've watched him and known him i've seen development in those people skills from then to now as well and and mm -hmm. like stuff like this is not like we're saying you have to have all of these things before you even start streaming but these are things that you're going to have to develop and learn over time and you will probably if you continue to stick with streaming and you are you know putting forth your best effort into it these are things that you will learn how to do naturally because it just starts to come naturally it does require some effort on your part and a little bit of attentiveness to it to understand what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are, how to play off your strengths and how to make weaknesses into strengths. Um, but just starting out, you know, the best thing to do is just, if you think you're going to enjoy it, do it for the sake of figuring out if you enjoy it and start worrying about all this stuff and building upon all the things that we're going to continue talking about in this episode throughout that. So like when we get into like actual like scary skills things that people wouldn't think they would know how to do um we've got four we have design animations video making and then a fourth one that i'm going to keep secret for you for now you guys are gonna have to listen to the end to hear this one <laughs> i like that <laughs> you're gonna hook them in keep them till the end clickbait that's called clickbait that's a skill you guys are gonna have to learn is how to clickbait secret people tip number four <laughs> secret tip number four bring me snacks <laughs> put a wet paper towel in the microwave that's not a tip that's a request you just said to bring me food yeah bring me some snacks i'm hungry i sit here in my I dark office all day <laughs> if, uh, 
extra toasty Cheez-Its. I got them on standby. Dude, I have, I'm on the, if I don't make it, I don't eat it rule. And my, I have felt so good since I started doing that. I mean, I go through phases of that. Of course, it's not like I never, oh. I'm not going to lie and act like I never eat crap food. But now I'd say in like the last year and a half. Um, I like that rule. Well, I'd say like, in the last year and a half, it's gotten to the point where when I eat garbage food in excess, like if I eat, like Saturday, I didn't eat any like homemade food. I ate fast food for two meals mm -hmm. and I felt mm -hmm. like I was hung over the next day and I haven't drank alcohol in two years. Yeah, like, that's a good rule. I, I know we're getting off topic, but I hate all of those diet fads like like keto and paleo and and um and high protein or or, or no fat, like all that stuff uh, just because it's stupid and, and trendy. But I like that rule of like, if I don't make it, I don't eat it. Cause that's as simple as it gets. Like eat whatever you want, eat however much you want. But the rule is you have to make it from scratch yourself. Yeah. Well, not from scratch, but you have to buy all the stuff and cook it. <laughs> but well, for me, it's I mean, gone to the like, point where it becomes don't, easier don't, to eat healthier because it's easier to cook healthy food that tastes good than it is to make crappy food that tastes good. Because usually junk food that tastes really good that you have to cook has a lot of steps to it that I don't have time to go through. <laughs> well, like, for example, like, I feel like when I say that, people think, oh, I'm just going to go buy a frozen pizza. No, when I say that, I mean, like, if you can make your own dough or at least buy, like, pre-made dough and then sauce and then pepperoni and cheese, right? Like, make whatever you want to eat yourself. And chances are it'll be a little bit healthier. It'll be a little bit cheaper. And the portion control is going to be better. Because I've noticed a tendency with people is when you when you get fast food or buy food, you tend to eat more. Yeah, and my rule is I only shop unless I need specific things from the inner aisles. I only shop the perimeter of the store because the perimeter is always where you're going to get vegetables, protein, carbohydrates, and uh, fats. You will That's get smart. your basic stuff on the outer rim. Because the stuff, the f deeper you go into the grocery store, into the aisles, the more there's stuff that's just trendy packaging that's really bad for you, but it's made that way so that you want to buy it. My my biggest challenge, challenge with cooking for myself, I fucking hate cleaning. <laughs> like, I, I find ritual in it. <laughs> like, once I start doing it, I'm fine, but it's just like the mental block of like looking at a sink full of all the dishes I used to cook and just like, oh. So your your issue isn't you don't like cleaning. Your issue is that you have trouble starting tasks that are less than ideal. Yeah, like I, I have I have problems like initiating. Like I'm I guess just a procrastinator. I'm just a procrastinator. I have problems initiating tasks, but once I'm like actually doing the task, there's no problem. Like I get through it easy peasy. You should but, uh, check out starting it is the hardest part. There's literally a video called it's either called Why Do We Procrastinate or How to Stop Procrastinating by Matt Diavella. You should check that out. But anyways, back to the list. Tip number one on this list or skill number one that we're talking about is design. And yes, there are services like Fiverr that are awesome. And especially if you're looking for something custom just starting out, go to Fiverr, go to Nerd or Die, or go to Own.TV because... While Nerd or Die is not 100% custom, Own.TV is not 100% custom. Uh, those things are completely modular, so you can, you can manipulate them. them. You can at least tweak them to, to fit to you. 
Yeah, they're not. It's not like you're going to just be using a Stream Elements or a Streamlabs basic yeah, like overlay a, pack a that thing. Yeah. that a hundred other streamers are using. You'll have something that looks more custom to you, but you can go to Fiverr and for ten dollars, twenty dollars, get a basic static overlay alert pack and panel pack that will fit your needs. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it is important over time to start to understand the basics of design and get into it a little bit. Right. Because I, design that's, that's, won't that's just help you as a streamer. It'll help you as a YouTuber, as an Instagram creator, as a Twitter creator. Like it will help you everywhere to understand yeah. the basics of like color science and design. What I see a lot of people do in the beginning of streaming in YouTube is like they'll go to Fiverr and they'll pay buco bucks for these crazy overlays and graphics. And then later on down the road, end up not liking them. Um, so that, that one tip I give is don't freak the fuck out about like your overlay and your graphics in the very beginning. Just get something basic and clean that looks nice um, without, you know, being absolutely nothing and just roll with it. And then once you start streaming, you know, watch other streamers, watch other YouTubers, see what you like and see what you want to draw inspiration from. Um, you don't have to ball out and have the best overlay on the planet in the, and on your first day of streaming. Yeah, and this is where we get back into that quote. You know, good artists borrow, great artists steal. It's fine. Like, my overlay is not original. Like, or well, my just chatting screen yeah, that sure, it's I not have. Original, but, it's, but it's like, it's simple and it's clean and it, it's like your brand. Like, it's yours. You know yeah, I mean? it's very much. Like, no one else has your overlays. Yeah, because I made my overlay. I got the texture. I fitted the texture. I colored the texture. I did all the stuff myself inside of the Affinity programs. But when I first got into streaming and I was looking for inspiration for what I wanted my stuff to look like, who did I go to? Some, some. And Ammunition two of my mm-hmm. favorite streamers and i went to them I love, and I that's where Amy. i drew she's one of my favorite streamers oh dude yeah her whole style her whole setup like her content she makes her mentality like but Anne is an example because i'm pretty sure she makes all of her stuff herself because what she did before she became a streamer was she was a graphic designer mm-hmm. so that's part of the inspiration of like there's going to be different skills that you're good at I, I just recommend design because if you can understand the basics of how color science works and how um, just design in general works, even if you're not going to make it yourself, you have an easier time communicating with someone who's going to do it for you because you have an easier time explaining to them what you're looking for. Right. Even Like, even if you take the time to learn about design, even if you're not a good designer just understanding the lingo and understanding how to communicate what you're trying to create or what you want to be created is going to help you with designers. Or you never know, you might be like me and get a little bit deeper into it and start really developing those skills and really practicing those skills. And now you don't have to outsource stuff. You can make very simple stuff because I am 100% a believer that simple and minimalistic is the way to go when it comes to overlays. You don't want anything crazy and distracting. Yeah, yeah. All, all you need is, is, is you know, gameplay, a webcam. A lot of times you don't even necessarily need a webcam border, but if you do, um, keep it simple. You know, maybe if you want, like have like a little, like recent sub, recent follower, just to, you know, give recognition to supporters and stuff like that. But I don't like when I see like fucking 10 different information panels 
I used to have chat on my screen. I took that off. I don't like when I see a chat box on the screen and then a big fucking choo-choo train going across the bottom and crazy special effects flashing all the time. Like, it, it's overwhelming. Like, I'm there to just, like, watch the streamer and watch them game. Yeah, exactly. And if you look at my webcam border, I have my asset rotator underneath. That's just, like, sub with command YouTube, join with command Discord, you know, my Twitter stuff. Yeah. That stuff, and then my webcam where you wouldn't notice that it's animated unless you look in the bottom left corner and you see every seven seconds it's on a loop. It just flashes my name and the outer edges of my webcam border flash as well. Mm -hmm. And that's the only animation in my overlay because to be honest with y'all, like my screens, my stream starting soon and my stream ending screens are more complex, but I don't even use a just chatting screen. It's literally my web, my webcam yeah, full screen and a metric in the bottom and metrics in the other on the other bottom <laughs> yeah i think i think that's the best way to do it yeah like as simple as you can possibly be is great now you can start building on to your overlay over time and that's one thing i'm doing is right now i didn't like the way that i had structured the just chatting screen or the just chatting screen i had before i no longer was into that design so now it's figuring out ways that I can make something new that displays information that I want and that is very clean and attractive without being too complex. But one thing people miss out on is part of your design for your stream, and this gets into video making a little bit, is how you design your room is important as well. For me, it's okay for me to have full screen because I have interesting stuff. You can see all my Funko Pops. You can see all my books back there. You can see my posters and my you know, anime collection. I've got lights. Uh, I've got like some music stuff over here. Like I have things in this room that make this visually appear appealing and I have good lighting on myself as mm -hmm. well so that I'm the focal point, but there's things around me and my background's interesting. So that becomes part yeah. of the design as well. One of my favorite designs that I see that uh, I'm moving soon and I want to go for this because right now this is the only space in the house I can use in my bedroom. And my excuse has always been, you know, happy on the bed. Um, but, uh, cause people love dogs, but one of my favorite appeals is when people have their, as long as it's private and there's not a lot of noise going on is have their room look like a living room. Like you have like a couch and you have like lamps, like what is it? Um, what was his name? He was on mixer with us for a while. Uh, fuck. He played destiny a lot, but he, Cathalian? Like, Cathalian. Yeah. He had like the fucking fireplace. And then like the TV and like the couch and like the wooden walls. Obviously, well, that was his man cave in his basement. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was dope. I love that. Like, just for me, I think the most appealing webcam is like you have your streamer with good lighting, and then you have like a very cozy looking hangout spot. Yeah, and that's really that part of your personality. Of, to reinforce that vibe of like you're hanging out with them. Yeah, and it, it becomes part of your personality too because. For me, the way my room is designed is very much part of my personality because it is aesthetically pleasing to me, and I think it's aesthetically pleasing to other people. But it's mm -hmm. uh, I always believe that you should be creating for yourself. Like, create what you like, and other people will start it will resonate with it as well. Because yeah, you will that, do 100% better creating things that you like than creating things other people like. Yeah, that's just what I'm into. Uh, but you can also match your brand. Like, there's, there's one, uh, one chick I follow... Um, and she's very much into fitness. Um, she does martial arts and all that, and she's a bodybuilder. And I recommended to her, and she actually took my advice, uh, create like almost like a background gym, right? 
So make it look like you're in a garage, like where you have like your your workout mats on the floor and then you have some like weights around. And then you can emulate that and like instead of doing like, you know, squats for subs, you could do like lifts for subs. Yeah. Like, make that part of your brand. <laughs> so don't like because I see a lot of people that it's like, oh, I need to have a better webcam. So I'm gonna get good lighting, I'm gonna get some nano leafs. Uh, everyone is doing that nowadays, right? The bar on Twitch is set so much higher. So don't just make your webcam look good. Make your webcam like and your space around you match you and your brand. Yeah, and what's great about it is that like your room, you probably will have to spend a little bit of money to design that and make your backdrop really cool and make your set really cool. But most watch... of this stuff you'll have already in your house. Like I had 90% of this stuff here already and I just repurposed it and moved things around to make a backdrop and make a set for me. You know, mm -hmm. my living room looks a little bit more bare now. I'm not going to lie to you, but you know, no one sees that. <laughs> Did you ever watch uh, Alpha Gaming's uh, Snipe Down makeover? Yes, I watched that uh, yesterday. That was a cool video. That was a cool video. I, li I liked how when they were talking about Nano Leafs, he suggested the cubes instead. Like, I'm about to buy those cubes. <laughs> right. If you want to do something unique, why would you do something that everyone else does? And yes, I know I've been using the quote and the theme has been, you know, Picasso's quote of good artists borrow, great artists steal. That, But I also preface that by saying that does not mean to just copy directly. That means draw inspiration. If you want cool lights, like I could go buy nano leafs if I wanted to and put them on this wall and they'd look dope. But whoever, I just like the idea of just leafs, illuminating stuff. Yeah, like take the same idea with the nano leafs, like some, some like fun geometric glowing thing. Don't do nano leaves. Like, find something else. Plus, nano leaves are ridiculously expensive. Yeah, they are. That's They're so dumb. much money for what you're getting. One, one thing I'm saving up for, I've talked about it before, is these lights that I have. Uh, for starters, I'm going to get them out of frame and I'm going to get more. And then there's this little hue bridge that I'm saving up for where it'll link to the game that you're playing. And so when the colors of the game change, the the light bulbs change. So if like if I'm playing like Fortnite and I'm in a big grassy field, the light bulbs turn like green with a hint of blue from the sky and like shit like that. It like plays into the aquas and everything. And then if you're yeah. like if you're in like playing Minecraft, you're in a lava filled cave, it goes like yeah. angry yeah. red and orange. Yeah. So it, it makes your webcam look a little more immersive. And I don't I th I've only seen, I think, two people that I've done that. That's dope, um, but it is expensive. It's like uh, it's like two hundred bucks for the bridge. That's not counting the light bulbs. The light bulbs are fifty dollars each. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you know that's a way of like animating your setup as well. Which animation is something that's important. I don't think animation is necessarily as important for Twitch streamers to learn. Um, very subtle animated overlays are better than crazy in your face overlays now, especially it's, now. It's not. It's not important, but if you know how to do it right and know how to do it cleanly it, it can make your stream that much more entertaining and that much more immersive and i definitely also would not recommend that your first animation be what you throw up on your channel because it's probably you're probably not going to understand it but you can use davinci resolve and make like all of my animations and my overlays were made inside of davinci resolve and that is completely free to use and you just click on the fusion tab you just start making shapes or you make a shape in another program. Like if you want to spend money, if the affinity ecosystem is great, that's what I use designer and photo. It's a hundred bucks for both of them. Or you can use like Pixlr Filmora nine. Is it film just Filmora? Me. Yeah. Filmora nine pro. 
Filmora 9 Pro, like in those Although, are I'm pretty gonna, I'm gonna be honest, back to uh Filmora 9 was like uh 200 bucks, I think, because I got a bunch of extras with it. And then Pixlr is free. Uh it's completely free. Like their only paid feature will just like get rid of ads. Like some of like the premium features that you would use. Um you just have to watch like a 30 second ad. Yeah. But if you if you don't feel like watching 30 second ads, then you can pay for it. Um but I still, you know, back to that topic of like procrastinating, like I need to sit down for a few days, like take some time off streaming just to figure out how to edit. Um, Cause I can do, I can do like really basic shit, but like a lot of the times, like what I'm thinking of videos, like in my head that I want to do, I don't yet have like the skills and the knowledge to bring to life. So I think with video editing, and this is something that I've learned about it for doing it for years at this point is the way that I edit, the way I edit might be different than the way that works for somebody else. The way that I film at this point, I film with my edit in mind. I film and write out my lines and my scripts and speak in a way that my cuts are naturally made for me in camera so that I know where I need to make cuts. I also will intentionally, if I know I'm going to be transitioning from like, let's say I'm talking about my phone and it's like, we're making a video that's like three pieces of tech that I couldn't live without or something. And I start talking about my phone and then I want to go talk about like my iPad or something. Uh, I intentionally film with a brief moment of silence after talking about my phone before I start talking about my iPad so that I can use what's called a J slash L cut to get into talking about my iPad and make it a bit more of a seamless process rather than having hard cuts everywhere. Using like J and L cuts is a great way of making progress, but also editing is not just throwing clips together. Editing like every cut and every edit and every J cut, every L cut, every B roll clip that you use, every audio track that you add, every sound effect you add, or every like animation that you add to your videos, like lower thirds or just whole screen animations or animated sequences of B roll or something. All of that stuff in your edit needs to have purpose. And the purpose that we're talking about is how do you use your edit to make your story flow and to be able to tell your story in a seamless way? Because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what we're doing or what we're making videos about. We're still telling a story in one way or another. And you'll notice that people who get a lot of views on YouTube and consistently are growing every single month versus people who aren't, there might only be slight differences in their content. And what might be different about that content is that the people who grow consistently know how to be storytellers and the people who don't know how to tell stories and kind of just point A, point B, point C, and they don't have any free flowing stuff in between to make it feel seamless. Those people don't grow because people lose interest because they don't know what, or what they're supposed to be following along with. If that makes right. sense. Yeah. I tried to explain that in like one long sentence so people would understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> No, I, I get what you're saying. It's it's sometimes um, even if the product or the content that you're presenting is just as good, if not better than someone else's, simply being knowing how to edit it and how to portray it is what uh, defines success. Right. I think that another thing that will help you with editing for one, get DaVinci Resolve, download it right now. Like if you're listening to this, if you're watching this on YouTube, download DaVinci Resolve if you don't have it on your computer already. It is free and it is Probably, I will probably never see myself going back to Adobe Premiere Pro. 
ever again. I will never go back to Premiere at this point with DaVinci. The only time I would ever spend money is if I was going to buy DaVinci Studio, and I don't see a reason to do that in the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. There are things that DaVinci doesn't do that After Effects, or not After Effects, I'm sorry, um, Premiere can do. There are things that DaVinci can't do that Premiere can, that's correct, or that Final Cut can. But those things that they can't do are not things that break it for me. One of the things right. that I'm even talking they all, about... They all have their pros and cons, but... Uh, I think yeah, like Premiere a, crashes a... all the time, you know. it it The codecs that you use within Premiere and the way that the file sizes work with Premiere means that rendering out 4K or even 1080p means that... Like, the new Canon R5, Matty Hapoya has been talking about this like crazy on his channel. The 4K coming out of the Canon r5 using what's called c log that's their log files literally mm -hmm. doesn't just crash premiere it just shuts his computer off when he uses the files and that could be a premiere thing and premiere gets overloaded and shuts down the system but premiere also has an issue with rendering out and failing to render properly whereas i don't have issues with davinci as long as i use correct codecs when i'm exporting essentially mm -hmm. <laughs> But I don't think it matters too much, like, what you get as a newer content creator. Like, get whatever works best with you, whatever you can sort of get your, your foot in the door with, uh, as well as whatever you can budget. Because a lot of newer content creators, they, they don't have a lot of, of money to, th to, throw in the, um, to throw into a hole. Right, so, like, if, you, if all you have on your computer, like, you have, like... If you have some fucking Windows called? 10 app... Like if you have fucking Windows Movie Maker, right? Yeah, or, or just iMovie or something. Like I, if you have those and that's the only tool you have, go use, for it. Use, yeah, use whatever you're comfortable with and get, start, and get started. And then once you sort of like master that and you're learning the basics, then maybe think about upgrading to one of the, the big boy ones. Right. Um, I would say DaVinci is good for beginner to expert. DaVinci, because DaVinci's good because it's free, but it has a lot of the same features that a lot of the big boy ones have. Yeah, which is good, in my opinion, because so you start you with the basics of... and you can learn as you go along. The reason yeah. I don't recommend people go with Adobe anymore is you no longer buy Adobe outright. You pay for it monthly. And if you don't pay for it one month, you no longer have access to it, which is ridiculous, in my opinion. <laughs> That's another reason talking about um, editing. Like if, if you get like Premiere or DaVinci or whatever you want to go with and you pay for it, although, yeah, you may pay a lot of money for it up front. In the long run, it's going to save you money, right? Because if you just rely on like Fiverr people to make you videos or pay an editor, that's that's a constant expense that you're making. Whereas if you learn how to make it yourself, it's it's free. Right. Once once you pay for it and once you learn those skills. And so it's going to save you money in the long run. It may take you more time, you know, as a content creator, because you have to make those videos yourself. But it's going to save you money, which means you can take that money you're saving and invest it into other upgrades. Yeah. And I will also say that when it comes to editing your own videos versus paying somebody else to do it, if you pay somebody else to edit your videos from the get go, like you go on Fiverr and pay someone like 10 bucks every time you need a video edited. One, it's not going to be a good edit because good editors are expensive, like really expensive. But yeah, two, you will yeah. never have your voice on your video because mm -hmm. you your style will not be dictated on you and what you do. 
your style will be dictated on what your editor does. And right. if you're going to hire an editor out, make videos for a while, practice your craft, figure out how you like things to flow, how you like your videos edited, how you like your color grading to be done, uh, what kind of animations you like, how you like your titles to be, for instance, is a big thing too. Like everything is part of your style and comes together as a cohesive piece of art. And if mm -hmm. you have examples of that to give to somebody and say, here's how I edit, you will be able to find someone that can edit for you very well and not emulate your style, but build upon the style you've already created. And they have an idea of what you're looking for. Yeah, having a regular editor isn't necessarily a bad thing. But what I'm saying is if, if you're a new streamer, you don't have a lot of disposable income. Like my rule when, when I started streaming was I only spend money on streaming and YouTube that I make off of it, right? So I'm not using my paycheck for my part-time job. Like whatever money that I make off of Twitch, I reinvest into Twitch. Um, <clears throat> so if if I make, you know, two two fifty just a month off of Twitch, but a Fiverr editor is, you know, $100 for a good video, and that may get, you know, let's be honest, 40, 50 views on YouTube, is that really if you're lucky if your first video gets 50 views you're yeah. lucky dude <laughs> yeah if you're lucky is that really worth it yeah because there's so much to youtube that there there's a reason why there's like 10 channels i can think of two really like three really big ones right now that are specifically dedicated to how to grow on youtube is because there are so many aspects to how youtube functions that there is no way you can cover all right. of it that that and in the beginning on youtube no matter how good your content is uh and how good you are and like have a leg up on other people you're gonna start off slow so there's not there's not a huge reason to drop a shit ton of money into editors in the very beginning because you're not going to see a massive return out of it um so make that shit yourself to save money and learn the skills you need to make um those videos yourself and uh then down the road you can think about hiring editors just to save you time yeah and then we're getting to tip number four, the secret tip. When, we, when you get into these skills and you figure out if you're good at these things and these are things you enjoy and you become proficient with whatever tools you're using, like if you're using Adobe or if you're using Affinity slash DaVinci or Final Cut or Apple Motion or whatever you're using, you then have an ability to not only make money off of your own content, but an ability to make passive, well, not passive income, it'd still be active income, but a way to make additional income that you can put back into your content by marketing these skills to other creators. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you get really good at making YouTube videos, maybe you could be the guy on Fiverr or maybe you could just network. And if someone needs an editor or even if they just need a simple graphic made or an intro made, you can do that for them. I was in a, a Facebook group the other day. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name of it. Um, but it's a it's a it's, it's a private group. Yeah. It's it's a group dedicated to learning how to become a better creator on YouTube. And there are some huge names in this group. I don't know how I got in there, honestly. Like I don't know where I found this, but there's a couple places where you can find it. I think I found it on Reddit, to be honest with you, but the other day I saw someone post up, I'm looking for someone to edit videos for me, will pay monthly salary of $5,000 a month. And that got like 30 replies from other people that all have YouTube channels as well. 
because mm -hmm. now five grand a month are you kidding me like you're probably gonna have me editing like two to three videos a week well probably two videos a week but i'll do that because i can quit my job at that point and only as soon as i'm done editing your stuff all that extra time i have i can use towards my own stuff and i don't mm -hmm. need five thousand dollars a month to live like that's ridiculous i i would be there there's no that's double Shit. what i need to live by more Shit. I, I don't need a lot I'm, I'm pretty fortunate in my situation i only need about a thousand a month to yeah live. exactly so that would be extra money i can put into making my content better mm -hmm. you know or if design you can make overlays for people heck uh logan who's on the podcast in the last episode also known as lexivo literally what he does on fiverr is he designs thumbnails for youtubers and he's good at them yeah i like his style he's made some for me in the past and they're excellent pretty sure a couple of mine that he's made for me as like drafts are in his portfolio like yeah, same. the dude just I've, knows I've, what he's doing I have several of his thumbnails on mine they're just good clean simple to the point uh thumbnails and they're clickable yeah they're clickable um and if you get good at animations and stuff you can make animated overlays for people and i don't know if y'all have checked out some of the real pros that do that on fiverr i saw an ad for that for 750 dollars for yeah. four screens starting soon ending soon webcam border just chatting that was like would, what you were getting for $750. Some of the I, examples I they showed were about, insane though. I want to I want to see some of the streamers like live that are using those overlays cuz I'm curious are these just people that like have a shit ton of disposable income or are some of them like big legitimate streamers? You can find um some large streamers, designers, people who have made stuff for Summit and uh, Tim and other people you can find those people on Fiverr because they market their skills and a lot of those people are also creators that use the skills that they've learned through being creators or through studying and becoming creators later um, they just use their skills as a way to supplement their income so that they can focus on trying to grow their content platform enough to go full time with that mm-hmm and, and, you know, it, it works both ways. If you're marketing your skills well and you, like, if, say you were editing video and you meet somebody that wants you to edit every YouTube video for their channel and they hire you to be your their editor, there's a chance that you're going to get, well, it's not just a chance, it's most likely going to happen, that, that you will probably see some benefit in your own content from being an editor from that person. Because they'll right. teach you things, and also they might just straight up send you viewership. Right. Like, I'm not saying that you should market those skills with that in mind, but that is a benefit to having these things, is that having these skills is an excellent way to just network with other creators. Yeah, you have the addition of networking, because if, if you get lucky and make some stuff for a really big YouTuber or a really big, big streamer, and they give you a little shout-out somewhere in their bio or on a video um next thing you know you have an influx of people either just they want to check out your content or they uh they want to get some work done too absolutely well anyways guys this has been a very productive episode we're at that one hour mark mm -hmm. i appreciate you guys watching we don't have a sponsor yet but Hyde and i have a mutual we're having a baby 
but it's yeah. not like a flesh and blood baby. It's a business baby. Hyde's entering his first time no, as a business it's owner. A, it's, it's, it's a real baby. And the most, uh, whoever gives the most subs gets to name the baby. <laughs> Why are you laughing? This is serious. <laughs> they won't name it. They won't name it anything. No, stupid. I'm laughing because I know insane would be the top gifter. And we don't want him to name a kid. <laughs> He'd name some dumb shit. <laughs> He'd be like, spicy nuggets. <laughs> yeah. You call like Cactus Jack, like the McDonald's fucking burger. <laughs> He'd call. He'd literally call him the Travis Scott burger. Mm -hmm. That's the, the first name. But no, Hyde and I are working on a project together. It's going to be a, it's a passion project, but it's a Hyde's first time being a business owner. Scary. And it's going to be fun. I get to take him under my figurative wing. If I disappear for like a couple months, call the police guys. Yeah. And uh, he's under my wing. He just passed out because it, it doesn't smell great down there all the time. But <laughs> um, that will be the sponsor. Hopefully starting in November. If everything goes well, I don't have any control over the process at this point. It's just waiting. But anyways, you guys be good. Thank you so much for watching and for listening. I've been Era. I've been Hyde. Bye. Bye.